Listen, when Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike grab mics, it's real sports, real talk. On the field or on the court. If it happened in New York, it's covered like a blanket, dog. Interviews are ill, simply up close and personal. That erupt, Lloyd's batting first, set the tone. Mike see the right the stadium with a guard and on the phone. Here we go, Giants of Jets, Yankees of Mets, Knicks of Nets. This is only an intro, the show is next. Do what it do, listeners. It's that day of the week where we bring you an all-new episode of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Today is Monday, March 26, 2018, and this show airs every Monday from 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, SoundCloud, and of course at LloydAThompson.com so be sure to hit that subscribe button so you can catch previous errands of the show and current errands of the show and you won't miss a damn thing and if you have any questions as always that your life for me and Mad Mike to answer on the show please shoot them through email to Lloyd at parkmyfresh.com or you can send them directly to the website we're also on social media Lloyd A. Thompson one word on Twitter Lloyd A. Thompson one word on Instagram, L-L-O-Y-D. If you're having trouble spelling my first name, be sure to hit that follow button. Listeners, exciting show for you today. We're going to tackle the moves that were made by the Jets and Giants. We're also going to talk about spring training winners and losers as training camp comes to an end for both New York teams, the Mets and the Yankees, and we're going to tackle a little bit of this New York Nick mess as they seem to can't even lose damn games the right way. So we're going to touch up on that as well. So as always, guys, let's buckle up, sit back and relax, and start spreading the news. Hey, yo, let's get it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Monday. That means it's time to talk sports with Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike. Let's go. As always, we got to find out where the Mad Mike is calling from today. Yo, Mad Mike, where you calling from today, baby? What's up, man? I'm uh, back in New York. I just uh, landed a couple hours ago. Um, you know, just uh, trying to get everything in order, getting ready for this uh, baseball season. So as we well know, Spring training has come to a close for both the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. And both teams, you know, they kind of slowed down towards the second half of spring. But it's spring training. You know, we'll touch up on the injury with Greg Bird. Uh, you know, what the Yankees are going to do with that. But let's start off with the New York Mets, man, Mike. Um, the Mets coming to the season. Um, Conforto actually played. But the Mets are going to start the season with him on a DL. As they don't want to rush him back. So they're going to start the season with Lagaris and Nemo uh, playing center field. And, uh, you know, Robles has been uh, sanctioned to to AAA, which was quite a bit of a surprise, man, Mike. Nah, he's been awful, man. Uh, he's a head case. And, and like, like uh, I'm happy with, uh, with Dave Island and, and the coaching staff. You know, kind of saying, we don't care if you come up here and strike out 25 guys in a row. Uh, we want you to work on things. We want you to fix some things that you're doing wrong, some things that are going to catch up to you in the long run. 
um, you're going to AAA. And until we see improvement there, you're not coming up. And, and that's how that's how you coach guys. You know, simple as that. Like, these guys somehow want to do whatever it is they want to do. And he seems shocked by it. I mean, his numbers are bad. And, you know, they, they, they've, they've been unhappy with him. It's a new coaching staff. They have no, no allegiance to him. So good for him. So now, you know, um, news that the Mets signed Fernando Abad, and he'll earn $1.25 million if he makes the Mets. He'll have a chance to get another six hundred and fifty k in incentives. So, you know, he's a veteran of the Astros, Nationals, Athletics, Twins, and Red Sox. He's, he's 32 years old, and he's locked at 3.65 ERA, 7.7 Ks per nine innings. 3.2 walks in nine innings, and in 317 and two-third innings since debuting in 2010, he's held side hitters to a 237 uh, batting line along the way, including a 224 average showing in Boston last season. So if he cracks the Mets bullpen this year, he could give the club a second effective southpaw behind Jeffy Blevins, Matt Mike. So the, the yeah. Jeffy Blevins is the only lefty that the Mets have currently in a bullpen. Yeah, I believe that he he's he's really just a specialist though. Um, so Blevins Blevins uh, is going to be more of a he, he's going to see multiple batters. Abad is just he he really is just a you know one guy at a time type pitcher. But hey, it's better than nothing. I guess when you only have one lefty in the bullpen. Um, you got no choice. You, you got to find a, a, a quality or or a bargain arm, you know, going into the season. Now, the Mets don't win often, Matt Mike, but when they do, it's usually anchored by their strong rotation, whether it's, you know, Tom Seaver or Jerry Kuzman or Doc Gooden to Sid Fernandez. Now, there's been promising um, combinations, you know, since 1995. You know, the yield, the young Bill Pulsifer and Jason Ingrahausen and Paul Wilson was considered the next rotate generate great rotation in franchise history. But to keep it brief, as we all know, that didn't happen. So looking at two decades later, the Mets looked as though they found Major League Baseball's most dominant pitching staff, compiling a big five rotation of Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, Matt Harvey, Steve Mass, and Zach Wheeler. So Serious injuries to each and every one of those arms have kept them apart since 2015, since Steven Mass made his debut. So even though all arms are healthy in spring training this year, the team's acquisition of Southpaw, Jason Vargas, to bolster the rotation, looked to further put things on hold. So that was until Vargas fractured his non-pitching hand that required surgery. Now Vargas did throw it won't keep Vargas out for an extended period of time, but all signs pointed to a temporary bringing together the Big Five for the first time if that would have happened. But not so fast. As we both know, Zach Wheeler's horrendous spring training is threatening that to come together, you know, of that coming together to a screeching halt. You know, um, he's been awful, Matt Mike. Uh, Syndergaard is the undisputed ace of the Mets staff and looks ready to go. After strong spring training, fully recovering from a tour lat, he struck out 23 batters in 20 innings, a spring trainer with a 1.35 ERA, Madden Mike. His velocity is back up to around 100 miles per hour while he's getting a full opportunity to show off a devastating changeup that he's developed 
you know, for the beginning of the season, man, Mike. Now, DeGrom was, uh, was the only big Mets starter that was able to stay healthy last season, though he had to deal with lower back stiffness and most, you know, most of spring training. He looked solid upon his return in the mound, striking out 12 batters in seven innings. So we've always said that that's the Mets' strong point is their pitching rotation. So if guys can stay healthy, you know, we you said that, you know, we both agreed after listening to what you had to say that we don't see the Mets surpassing the Washington Nationals, but they got a strong chance to get one of those two wild card spots, man, Mike. Um, I'm not going to say strong. They have a chance to get those uh, one of the two wild card spots. And the reason I don't say strong, Lord, is because I always say that, that I, while people like me, maybe put too much stock into spring training. I think that there's too many people out there that don't put enough stock into it. The Mets record is indicative of the lack of depth they have in their minor league system, the lack of impact prospects, the lack of, of um, major league ready prospects, uh, especially in their bullpen. Their bullpen was awful in spring training. So, I mean, this starting five who proves to you that they can't stay healthy, Zach Wheeler uh, being demoted, it's not shocking to me. I think they wanted uh, Jason Vargas to be the fifth starter anyway. Um, you know, Wheeler just hasn't pitched enough. He needs reps. He needs to to, to get a feel for his mechanics. He's got to repeat his delivery. He's got to rebuild that fastball. He's got to, you know, learn how to pitch backwards again. There's just so much uh, things that, that lose, you know, not pitching for so long, you lose that feeling. It's like Tiger Woods coming back to golf now. He's not going to be that tiger until he, he's able to play in 10 straight tournaments and stuff like that. Um, it doesn't shock me. The Mets, um, you can't ask this, this, this rotation to give you seven innings a night, um, all five starters. They're going to break down. They've proven that to us. Um, you know, Syndergaard is built like a freaking house, and, and he's going to throw 100 miles per hour. And while some people believe that he's an injury risk, I don't because last year was the first time in his career where um, he, he's been, you know, befallen by those injuries. Uh, but you, you're talking about Harvey. Um, you're talking about Jason Vargas, who was good in the first half last year, really bad in the second half. Um, you know, Steven Matz. I don't even like to talk about Steven Matz because I don't think Steven Matz has ever even thrown 100 innings uh, in a season because he's always he's always hurt. He just doesn't have the ability to pitch through through the normal aches and pains that is expected of most aces. Um, these guys are going to have to hit their way, man. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. They're going to have to hit and and um, they're going to have to build big leads. To me personally, they're going to have to build big leads. So they're able to give those starters a break every now and then. And this bullpen has proven to us that they do need a cushion um, to, to, to carry throughout the game. Now, we're also talking about the other Mets starter. So, you know, bringing up Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey is entering a contract year with plenty to prove after being plagued with injuries for most of the last five years. You know, so he's practically had to relearn how to effectively pitch. Now, he came around at the right time. He put together a pair of solid spring training starts after a rough 2018 debut. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him as he enters his contract year. Now, Steven Matz, Matz had even a more difficult start than Harvey this spring. And it got to a point where it was between him and Wheeler to get the boot from the rotation while Vargas was healthy. Now, you know, he's the only southpaw available. You know, Matt's spot is safe, and, you know, he's responded well 
and last week shrinking his ERA from 11 to 7. So, I mean, again, this is spring training we're talking about. And then you have Seth Lugo. So, due to Willis' struggles, and I like Lugo. Lugo should get the nod to be New York's spot starter while Vargas recovers. You know, um, the righty is experiencing stepping in from, you know, from an injured, you know, Mets, uh, you know, cooling 36 starts in the past two years. He's compiled a 12-7 and record with a 3.92 ERA. Now, he's had a strong spring with four scoreless innings on Thursday against the Nationals, you know, with a 2.87 ERA. So, when you have as many injuries as the Mets have with their starting rotation, you brought up a good point. You know, you don't want to push those guys. And, you know, now baseball is it's become... You know, the, the day and age of the bullpen where starters go five innings and then a the bullpen comes in and they finish up and you brought up a great point that the Mets bullpen is not that great. So they're going to expect more from their starters. And if they expect more from their starters, does that break down their starters and compile more injuries for pitchers that have already um, in their previous you know years been injury prone? So that's a big question. It's going to be it's going to be interesting how Mickey Callaway handles this. You know, you may be able to get, you know, Noah Syndergaard. He throws hard. So, you know, um, you maybe you'll get be able to get some, you know, six, seven innings out of him. Maybe Jacob DeGrom. But, you know, the rest of those guys, Harvey, Lugo, and crew, you know, if you could get five solid innings out of them, then then you're looking at a point where you're completely burning out the bullpen, Mad Mike. So, it's you know, you're right. The Mets are going to have to hit. But if their pitchers can show... You know, anywhere near, you know, their capabilities, you know, I still think the Mets have a strong, you know, they have a strong pitching staff that can help them out. But obviously you got to hit the win game. So, you know, which which was the Yankees Achilles Hill in the playoffs last year, they didn't hit. So, you know, and they still came within, you know, a game of going to the World Series. And that just goes to show how well the Yankees pitching rotation or pitching staff pitched in the playoffs. You know, and if they if those guys would have hit, man, they'd have been in the World Series. But that's baseball. So, you know, I'm actually excited about the start of baseball this year. I'm looking forward to it. Um, you know, I'll get in the habit where I watch both New York teams, uh, the Mets and the Yankees, until one of them start to stink up the joint. And I have a feeling that's gonna be the Mets before the Yankees, but you know, I'm not gonna push that button just yet. That's the one good thing about the start of the season is everybody starts off at zero and zero, man, Mike. Yeah, um, I do want to touch on one thing with the Mets. I think that they're going to be uh, smart with uh, Matt Harvey. I don't think they're going to try to stretch him uh, past six innings. I think that uh, their 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 uh, approach with him will be just give us a solid six innings, and uh, they're going to pull him. Uh, I, I don't think that he's going to finish the season as a Met. Uh, like you said, he's in the contract year. They clearly don't want to pay him. They clearly feel like they 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 have enough depth in the rotation with Lou, like you said, Jason Vargas, multi-year deal, Lugo, Kesselman. Um, so uh, you know, if the other guys stay healthy, I, I think that's the approach they take with him, and he gets traded uh, at the deadline uh, for said bullpen help. Yeah. So I mean. We'll see what happens, and, you know, this is going to be something that we'll continue to talk about because there's 162 games in baseball. So on top of us touching that in future shows, you know, we'll have our guru Joe Rivera chime in, you know, when we can get him on to also give his expertise 
on what's going on with not only the Mets and Yankees, but Major League Baseball in general. So moving on to the Yankees, man, Mike. I just want to go over the Yankees prospects, spring trainings, the prospects who I consider were winners, and the prospects that I consider were losers. Now, I want to get your take on it and see if you agree with me. So, you know, spring training has come to a close, and all decisions have been made. You know, it's a time for prospects to come into a big league camp and impress those with decision-making powers. Now, this year, the Yankees saw some good things out of their prospects, but they also saw some bad. So, you know, down the stretch, you obviously got to get the veterans to get their playing time and to get those guys, you know, acquainted and in baseball shape and ready to go. So here are my winners, Matt, Mike. And after I give the person who I think is a winner, I just want you to agree or disagree and give me your opinion on why you think you're not a winner or a loser, okay? Yeah. All right, so my first winner is Miguel Andujar. Now, hear me out. It would be easy to think that Andujar came out of spring training as a loser considering, you know, it went into a de facto starting third baseman. However, the deal for Brandon Drury should have told us that the Yankees were just not ready to hand him the keys, you know, to the castle just yet. But Andujar still went out there and he showed them what he can do. Four home runs, nine RBIs, some solid defense, put him in a spotlight in an early going of spring. His production eventually fell off, but he definitely did a great job of keeping himself in the conversation, Matt Mike. Yeah, and, it, you know, uh, after all the, all the offensive numbers for being a winner, he came out a winner simply because he, he changed the narrative on his defense. A manager, his new manager came in thinking that he couldn't play third base at, in the major league level. And, uh, who His manager, who happens to be a, a career third baseman in the major leagues, came out impressed, saying that there's actually uh, things there, you know, get his footwork in order, and we have ourselves a major league third baseman. So um, he's a winner for his defense more than his offense. We knew he was going to hit. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Yankees do with him if they use him for a trading chip. Obviously, Manny Machado's name has been kicked around as far as a free agent target next year. So it's going to be interesting to see. So me and Matt Michael, we both agree that Miguel Andujar is a winner. Now the next guy, Matt Mike, is Estevan Florial. Now, at just 20 years old and without any experience at the upper levels of, my, of the minor league system, Florial had no chance of making his team. However, he did manage to get people talking, and that's a victory all by itself, in my opinion. So, he hit over 280, you know, with three triples, setting up the season to start on a high note. Florial's bound, in my opinion, to be the best prospect in the system before long. So it's good that he was able to show that he can stick with the big boys, Mad Mike. Yeah, he's a winner. Um, he's a winner because it's not often that a guy that's, that's uh, uh, I mean, I, I don't want to say, but he's had uh, very little exposure uh, above uh, single-A, high-A ball. And for him to come in and, and not just put a face to all the chatter, but to put real tape out there, for all the chatter, you know, this is one of the most split uh, prospects in all of baseball. You either really love him or you really, you know, you really hate him. 
and he came in and he gave everybody a reason to really love him. And you say he's going to be one of the best pro, uh, prospects in our system before long. I say that he's going to end up being a top 10 prospect in all of baseball before long. All right now, so me and Matt, listen, we got some, not that we disagree a lot, but so far we're two for two. Now here's a name, Matt, Mike, that I'm going to throw out there that may or may not be a surprise to you. And I'm going to say Billy McKinney. Now, after seeing his volume, his, his value bottom out in 2016, the Yankees have done a fantastic job giving him an opportunity to bring himself, himself back into relevancy. After an impressive 2017 season, McKinney came out swinging this spring and has landed him in arms reach of the big league's job. Obviously, he didn't make it. He socked four home runs, drove in 11 runs this spring, and even if he doesn't make the team, which he hasn't, he's done an incredible job making himself relevant again. If he can carry this play into the regular season, you know, we may be, it may be a certainty we'll see him in an event of an injury, Matt, Mike, and we all know with Ellsbury and, and um, oh man, Carrot Top, uh, with <laughs> Clint, Fraser. Clint Fraser with the concussion, you know, there's a chance that we may see him in the majors, Matt Mike. Yeah, this is gonna be one where I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, say loser, and, and don't don't get it twisted, guys. Um, many people don't realize Billy McKinney was actually one of the the uh, prospects the Yankees were in on, uh, along with in the Aaron Judge draft, along with Clint Frazier. And um, they absolutely love him. People, you know, his stock bottomed out not because he, he was a bad player. It's because he fouled the ball off his leg and basically broke his kneecap. And it took him, you know, basically two years to come back from that. The Yankees never lost interest and they acquired a guy and they rebuilt his value. But this kid can play. Now, the reason I, I say loser is because the Yankees waited too long to change his position from right field to first base. And if you're looking at our roster... Stanton and Judge right field for the next 10 years. So he's got to really figure it out at first base um, to, 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 to really get a crack at it. Maybe DH, but the Yankees have already stated that they have three DHs in mind, Stanton, uh, Judge, and Sanchez. So that's why I say loser. He's a winner because, you know, there's no one else in this, This, you know, he's probably had the biggest jump of anybody. But loser because there, there's nothing he can do at any position outside of first base that's going to get him on this roster. Okay. Even with the injuries. I mean, right? We're, we're saying Clint Frazier hurt, Ellsbury hurt, and the Yankees still have their four outfielders going, going into the season. You know what I'm saying? He's eight on the list. Fair point as to your, your reasons for him being a loser. I respect that. Now, I'm going to go with your guy next, somebody that you've raved about quite a bit, man, Mike, and that's Domingo Herman. Now, Herman has already looked good in a small amount of big league innings he got last year, but he's really turned it up this spring. He may still to work on, he may still have to, you know, do some work on limiting walks, man, Mike, but he's more than proven his ability to strike out batters with the best of them. Now, he's maintained a 0.84. ERA in 10 and 10.2 in innings. He struck out 13 batters, Matt Mike. He's one of the finalists to make the big league team, which he just got, which he didn't make it. But either way, we should be seeing more of him in 2018 at some point, Matt Mike. Uh, big time winner. And 
<laughs> you know who he makes a big time loser out of? He makes Joe Girardi look like a big time loser because this guy um, has not only, you know, he got demoted and they were very honest. He didn't get demoted because uh, he lost the job. They actually think that he, he, he did more than enough to win a job. They just want him to be stretched out because they're going to go to a six starter uh, multiple times this year. Um, and he's the guy that they're looking at. They threw Luis Sessa's name out. Um, you know, I guess that's mm-hmm. just a token to Luis Sessa, but Luis Sessa is an afterthought. He's somebody that Joe Girardi absolutely loved, and he's somebody that continues to prove that he can't pitch, you know, he can't start at the major league level. So big time winner for Domingo Herman. Okay, now the next guy is a guy that you have penciled in to start at second base for the New York Yankees, and that's Tyler Wade. Now, after Gleyber Torres was cut from camp, and I hate to use the word cut. Let me not use that. Let me say after Gleyber Torres was sent down, it looked like Wade was clear to get the star in second base role until New Walker was brought in. Now, despite, despite this unfortunate turn of events, Wade should not be disappointed with anything that he's done. After a disappointing first taste in the big leagues, he came into camp. He hit over 300 while offering versatile defense, you know, that turned heads. And he's still in the running. Well, he, he, he actually was told the other day that he's actually going... Uh, he actually made the 25-man roster, which is great, and he deserves it. Now, whether he starts, I don't know, because Neil Walker's coming, and he's played really well, you know, I, you know, so maybe the Yankees might do a platoon system where they, you know, where they face, where they play Walker second against tough lefties, and maybe with Greg Berg injury, Matt Mike, maybe Neil Walker, who has experience at first base, Maybe he starts at first base, you know, or do the Yankees, you know, start Tyler Wade at first base. So it's going to be interesting to see, but Tyler Wade, a winner, in my opinion, Mad Mike. A big-time winner, and uh, not only will he be a winner, I'm going to call him champion of the spring when he started in second base opening uh, opening game on Thursday against Toronto uh, because Neil Walker's going to be playing first base. Greg Bird is going to go on the 10-day DL, um, even if – there's nothing broken in the foot. He still has some inflammation and swelling. Uh, Neil Walker will be starting first baseman uh, uh, come opening day. And Tyler Wade has done nothing but earn the job. I mean, I, I personally think that he wins. It. He should have won the job out even if uh, Neil Walker, you know, got signed or not. Uh, this guy is dynamic on defense. Uh, he can play the outfield. He can play thirds, short, and second. And he can do everything but play first base and catch, I mean, and pitch. It's like I said before, man. Um, the Yankees have a, had a, a, an elite uh, leadoff prospect in, in, in camp this whole time, and no one's talking about this kid until now. Well, I tell you what, man. He could be the replacement of the, the boy that you love so much, your favorite Yankee, Ronald Torres. Yes, yes. You know what? You're 100% right, Lloyd. You're 100% right. Dude, keep, as long as he performs, they'll cut Torres when Torres is ready. You're right. 100%. I didn't even think about that. So there you go. You may, you may, you might just get your wish. Or maybe he'll be included in a trade, you know, come, you know, come during the season, you know, when, when, when trades are made and the Yankees might need a starter. Hopefully that's not the, the case as far as them needing a starter. Because if they need a starter, that means somebody's crapping the bed. And so far, Masahiro Tanaka has been the one to crap the bed. But, uh, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, yeah, no, 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 don't sweat that. Don't sweat that. Let me tell you something. Go look at, go look everybody, everybody, not just Lloyd, everybody. Go look at Tanaka's numbers. When Tanaka has a good spring, he has a bad season. When he has a bad spring, he has a great season. So realistically, I'm expecting nothing like last season because of the simple fact that he had a bad spring. All right. Well, look, I'm hoping you're right on this one, Mad Mike. I'm, I'm, go look I'm, it up. I'm, go, go. Dude, go look it up. I'm telling you, man. Go go look up his history. No, no I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, whether or not that's the case. I'm just saying I'm hoping that he has a good season because that's been the case with him. Bad spring, great season, great spring, bad season. So I'm hoping that's it. So I just want to move on to the losers before we go to a quick commercial break. Um, I'm going to say one of the losers is Chance Adams, Mad Mike. Adams came into the spring hoping to make an impression, but he did nothing to show the Yankees that he's ready to make the jump. His roster, st his roster status has always put him at a, has already put him at a disadvantage. He's allowed six runs and four and two innings, and he's not going to do you any favors. You know, thankfully, thankfully he has an entire season to get back to doing what he he's been able to do best. But his ability to pitch against big league batters remain a question, Matt Mike. Um. Big time loser, and I'll be honest with you. Exactly what you just said is exactly how I felt watching him. Um, you know, the one thing that that gives me hope because I, I'll tell you one thing: I, I've seen some starts in the minors, and he he he's been absolutely dominant, dominant. Nothing like the guy I've seen in the spring. And the one thing that gives me hope is that you know a guy who relies on his fastball control. Um, you know, Boone said that he just didn't have it this spring. So if, if you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. Pitching in the minors is not the same as pitching in the big leagues. So maybe he'll always look like he doesn't have fastball control. But, you know, if that's all it was, then go down to the minors, find it, and put yourself in a position to be one of those call-ups. Okay. So now... Loser. Get, I'm sorry. No, no, I said loser. Okay. I agree. All right. So the next loser I have is somebody that you have brought up, and that's Luis Sessa. And to me, it feels like Sessa's time is running out to solidify his role in the organization, Mad Mike. Over a six ERA uh, is, isn't going to do him any favors. And the success of Herman this spring could push him further down. A matter of fact, it has pushed him further down in the pecking order. And it doesn't seem like Sessa's a guy to rely on. And his performance, you know, is really just accentuates the fact that he, you know, maybe the, the the Yankees need to cut ties with him, Matt Mike. So Luis Sessa, a loser. Luis Sessa, loser, been a loser, and it, it's it's sad because here's a guy that has this reputation as a bulldog, um, but the Yankees have said, especially Aaron Boone and this coaching staff now, they've said that um, you know he he tries to pitch around guys. He's got the mentality of a, he got the the reputation of a bulldog. And the mentality uh, uh, of, you know, a chihuahua type, you know, like a, like a Yorkie. And, you know, he still gives up too many fly balls. It's not going to play in New York. He's going to give up too many home runs. He's going to be uh, a lesser, uh, a less talented Phil Hughes. So now I'm going to go with two players. I'm going to hit the double-decker one with this one, Mad Mike. And this is an unfortunate loser because he's done nothing to really be a loser. But circumstances 
has him in my loser category, and that's Clint Frazier. You know, again, it's unfortunate because given Jacoby's Elberry status with him having rib cage issues, that might have made, you know, he might have made the team out of spring training, but dealing with a concussion is never fun, as I've dealt with them for playing semi-pro football, and I've actually gone through them during my regular baseball season last year. So it's tough, but it's even scary when it's someone this young. So hopefully he can recover before too long and be on his way back to being a productive, to having a productive minor league season. And the next guy, Mad Mike, is the Yankees' jewel, and that's Gleyber Torres. Now, everyone thought that Gleyber Torres, you know, I'm not really be this, the, the opening day second baseman because the Yankees are going to send him down either way because by doing so, that gained him another year of control over his over his contract situation but even you know even if it hit well it would have been a very unlikely you know call for the Yankees to make but it just made too much sense you know to keep him down but on top of that he didn't hit man Mike it's not his fault considering he's lost much time last year but you know even a decent batting line would have been nice to see now he just needs to go back down to the minors do his work but he I think at some point he'll have a call up this year man Mike um, Clint Frazier. Um, I, I have a hard time calling a loser because uh, I'm gonna say loser for the simple fact that he lost. He didn't lose a golden opportunity to to break camp. Um, he lost a golden opportunity to to get in shape and get his reps in. Um, where now he might not even be ready for baseball activity until mid April. Uh. Which would say what that he's not game ready until let's say mid May, you know. So even if even if there are some injuries, he he's he's a while away. He's not even going to be the first guy on on the radar. Maybe not even second. So loser. Um, but I do think the injury did him well as far as not causing the controversy, or did this team well not causing the controversy because that that. Jacoby Ellsbury's situation was already hovering, right? Everyone was already saying they got to release him, they got to trade him, do something. At least that that kind of put the kibosh on that, you know what I mean? Like quieted those calls for the moment. So from a team aspect, I don't think loser. I think uh, it did us a favor. Uh, from a player standpoint, loser. Um, as far as Torres goes, I was always one of the guys that said he's not going to break camp. He's not going to, you know, break camp on the 25-man roster. And he didn't play last year. He, he didn't play in the fall. I thought we did him a real disservice. And I always maintain that. I didn't think he was going to break camp. He was going to look rusty. And the other thing you have to consider is this kid is a shortstop. He just started playing second base full-time when he made it to AAA. And he only played like 12 games in AAA before the injury. So... You're asking him to come get his time. You were asking him to do too much in the public eye. I thought we did him a disservice. So I'm not going to say loser. I'm actually going to say winner for being able to, to, you know, perform as poorly or as, you know, whatever you want to call it, just to be able to perform under those circumstances. Um, I'll call him a winner. Okay. So the last guy that I have on his list is Justice Sheffield. And big things were expected from Sheffield this year. But he didn't show any of it during spring training, in my opinion. So he's never, you know, he was never able to get outs, you know, that he needed. It's a good thing the Yankees didn't keep him around very long because it might have gotten even worse with Tom. Now, all he has to do is pick up where he left off at from last year. Hopefully he can do that because the Yankees were like, you know, they're going to need him before too long. 
So, you know, he's another one that I'm going to add to my list of, of uh, prospects. That's a loser, man, Mike. Uh, I disagree. Absolute winner. Talking about a guy who's never been in big league camp before. Um, so we got to take that into consideration. Um, this is the first time that he's pitching uh, in spring training. Uh, it's a different animal than going down and, and working in, in you know minor league camp. We don't know what they asked him to work on. We do know that every first inning he threw was dominant. And go look that up. He, he didn't run into issues until the second inning. And another thing that you know gets overlooked: the guys pitching early in camp with minor league defenders. You know, uh, a lot of plays that could be made. You know, guys pitching on a day where Stanton is getting work in left field and and balls are dropping in left and right, and we're faulting him. A guy, you got to look past the numbers when you look at him. He opened the manager's eyes. Um, actually blew away Aaron Boone. So, you, you know, winner, absolute winner. Okay, so, you know, there you have it, folks. You know, we have our winners and losers of Yankee prospects. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. And when we come back from the break, we're going to touch up on the trade that the Giants made, trading away Jason Pierre-Paul and this whole thing with the Jets were sending their contract offer to Indomitian Sioux. So we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back with more of the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Sports Talk Show. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, my name is A.O., Aaron Omar Baker, and I'm the producer for the Lloyd A. Thompson and Mad Mike Show. Listen, for starters, I want to say thank you for tuning in, thank you for listening, and thank you for sharing the show. If you aren't already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, TuneIn. Just head over to LloydAThompson.com. All the information is there, and if you want to send a question to the guys, they'll answer it on a future show. You can do so at the website or directly by email it's lloyd at pardonmyfresh.com all right that's it real quick real simple let's get back to the show welcome back to the lloyd a thompson and man mike sports talk show so before we went to the break i brought up that the new york giants uh traded away jason pierre paul to the tampa bay buccaneers for a third round pick and a swap of fourth round picks now we're making this trade i'm you know this is probably, everybody feels that they probably could have got more value for JPP, man, Mike. But this clears up salary cap space moving forward because they're going to have to either deal with the whole Odell Beckham Jr. signing. And at some point, they're going to have to tackle Landon Collins being signed as well. So, you know, Landon Collins is going to require a lot of money. So it frees up some cap space. It positions them for a better pick in the fourth round, and it gets them a pick in the third round that they, you know, they actually lost the pick when they traded away for Alec Ogletree, so they, they got one of those picks back. So I'm actually not mad at this move. I thought Jason Pierre-Paul was actually a better player before the unfortunate fireworks issue than he was after the, the fireworks issue. So, you know, um, Tampa Bay gets the pass rusher that they need. Um, he's still a talented young man, but again, in a sport where you have to use your hands, you know, quite a bit and you have to grab and stuff like that. You know, I just thought that, you know, it's an unfortunate situation that watching him play after the uh, the fireworks injury and hindering him being able to, you know, to grab on the ball carriers or quarterbacks as he was moving in for a tackle um, during, the, you know, after the injury, Mad Mike. Yeah, man. Um... 
I've been dying to, to, to use this one. And um, I'm, I'm going to let you guys know this was straight text from Joe Rivera. He said, wouldn't it be great for the Giants to draft Bradley Chubb to replace JPP so we can finally say they went from nub to Chubb? <laughs> and it would be perfect. I mean, look, realistically, Dave Gettleman um, deserves a, a freaking Emmy for this one because, it, you, you listen, the Giants have no money. They got to either got to sign Odell, which seems less and less likely listening to, you know, Mara talk about signing Odell. Um, it looks like, you know, but but in the end of the day, they need the money. Like you said, they, they recouped a, a draft pick, uh, which they gave up in the Ogletree um, situation. And and um, it, I, I'm not mad at the move. I, I, you know me. I think that he's one of he, he's a bad uh, he's a bad game baller, meaning um, he racks up against bad teams and he disappears against good teams. And the one thing about the Giants or, or Tampa Bay that the Giants don't have is they have Gerald McCoy. I mean, they have talent on that defensive line that hopefully will free him up to be a little more um, impactful. And uh, I don't believe that the, the offensive lines out there are as good. But we'll see. You know, but like, like you, you know me, man. I, I, I'm not a big fan of his. Uh, besides disappearing against good teams, like you say, he doesn't have two hands to 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 make these plays. Um, it, it was a good way to get out of a bad contract. It's a contract Jerry Reese should have never gave. And uh, Gettleman did good to get what did he get a third round. Yeah, he they, got a third got, round, and he flipped flopped fourth round picks. Yeah, so you know what. Um, it's not a bad move. So he actually has two third round picks in the top ten of the third round. Um, that's a great move for him. Now breaking that down, man, Mike, the defense is gonna have an extremely different look this season. Um, you know, as again trading away Pierre Paul, as believe it or not, he was a he he was the final link to the Super Bowl team. You know, so now the longest tenure put you know projected Giants on defense is Landon Collins. And he's 24 years old. He's a pro bowler. And it just feels like yesterday that the team was trading up in 2015 to select Collins out of Alabama, you know, with the first pick in the second round. Now, it's been a busy offseason, as we both said. You know, Pierre Paul gone. Uh, defensive captain Jonathan Casillas is not expected to return. The Giants cut Dominic Rogers Cromarty. You know, he was a salary cap. Uh, casualty. Um, the defense under new general manager Dave Ded Dave Gettleman and Coach Pat Shermer is in the midst of a much needed mini facelift with more likely to come. Now, part of the overhaul scheme is the Giants are no longer running a 4-3, Mad Mike. You know that they ran under Steve Spagnolio. Steve Spagnolo, I'm sorry. So under new coordinator James Betcher, they're expected to employ some sort of a 3-4 base defense. That will also include some 4-3 uh, concepts because that's basically what the 3-4 does. It's, you know, when you run a 3-4, you can also run a 4-3 out of it. It's weird because it all depends on what you do with the linebackers and stuff like that. You can move some of the linebackers to put their hands in the dirt um, on certain plays. So, you know, you can tinker with so much more with a 3-4 than you can with a 4-3. So, still it's hard to imagine Pierre Paul 
and uh, Olivier Vernon as outside linebackers. That just wasn't going to happen. I think if any one of those two was able to play outside linebacker, it would have been Olivier Vernon. Now, you know, the Giants never approached Pierre Paul, from what I'm hearing, or Vernon about playing three-fours of defensive end. So now it appears as if Vernon and recently signed Kareem Martin, who played, uh, you know, with, with uh, Arizona last year with starters of Giants outside linebackers. Now, Martin, because he played in Arizona and under Betcher, he's familiar with the attacking defense from their time together in Arizona. He can ease the defense defense's transition, and, you know, he's one of two former Cardinals who might slip directly into that starting role. The other one was a young man, I think his last name is Morrow, Jason Morrow, uh, who was suspended the first four games for P for uh, PED for, for taking PEDs. So with these new faces and a different scheme and no Pierre Paul, the Giants defense won't look like, you know, won't look anything like the unit that finished 31st, in my opinion, last season, Mad Mike. Um, no, no, they won't. I mean, I, I, I don't know what, how much they expected from Josh Mauro, but uh, I believe his suspension was was uh, was put out there after the JPP trade. Um, I, I don't know if that would stop them from making the JPP trade, but you, you got to wonder uh, if they knew that he was anticipating being suspended before they signed him. Um, because you're talking about a thin unit already. I mean, they're thinner now with the JPP trade. And we spoke about it last, you know, how these guys could never get off the field, Olivier Vernon and, and uh, JPP to begin with. And now you're signing a guy that you had to have known that he was getting suspended. Um, I get it. Better, you know, bringing guys that know his defense. It's easier to teach it. It's easier to run it. But at the same time, you got to have you got to have bodies. And um, I, the Martin Martin, I like the Martin move. Um, I think he's going to be good. Martin kind of reminds me of of uh, Bart Scott when when uh, Rex came to town and and uh, you know everyone thought we were going to make a run at Ray Lewis and Ray even Ray was a little offended because we we changed. You know, Rex was like, no, Bart's the guy. You know, it's always the second guy, right? Because the second guy's got to work harder. He's got to learn it more. He, you know, he's got to put in the work. So, and it looks like like that's the guy that they targeted. So, um, we'll wait and see. But uh, I think Martin and Ogletree can can be great in the middle. Uh, I'm not going to say great. They can be good in the middle, serviceable to above, you know, average to above average or above average to good, however you guys word it or look at it. Um, it just, Ogletree's the one that worries me, man. I mean, the, the, the Rams traded him because they moved from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And the Giants are moving from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and somehow think he's the answer. I just don't see it. Well, he, he, well, again, you know, the verdict is out. So we'll see how he pans out. I like his athleticism. I like his ability to go sideline to sideline. The question mark remains if he can cover. But that's the question mark that we can probably say for probably all four of the damn Giants linebackers. Maybe outside of Martin because... You know, he's been in the system before. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But I think Ogletree is actually going to have a productive season for the Giants. So I'm I'm actually going to continue to keep faith 
in Ogletree, and I think I like the deal that was made. And it's been a long time since the Giants have had an athletic linebacker who has the potential to average to have over 100 tackles in a season. So we'll see what happens. So I just want to run down on what I think the Giants' defense might look like coming into the season with the subtractions and additions that they've made, Matt Mike. So at the defensive ends with the 3-4 scheme, you know, obviously Josh Morrow and Dalvin Thomason. Now, Morrow was, you know, he was signed to fill, you know, the five-technique spot to do the dirty work to, on a defensive line, and he's a fit in Betcher's defense after spending time with him in Arizona, and Thomason also has experience playing inside and outside of Nick Saban's multiple schemes at Alabama. So, obviously, Damon Snacks Harrison is going to be the nose tackle. He's already had success early in the career playing nose tackle in Rex Ryan's 3-4 defense with the Jets. So, he's a dominating rough stuffer in any scheme. So, the linebackers, the outside linebackers, I have Olivier Vernon and Kareem Martin. There was a thought that Vernon would be best as an outside linebacker when he entered the league. Uh, Martin could be used as the run stuffer on occasion, you know, and he could be put in the coverage, as we was both saying, that out of all the linebackers, he may be the one linebacker that, that's the best in coverage because he's already played in the system. So, you know, Vernon, as we all know, he can serve as an every-down pass rusher. And that's the thing about the 3-4 is that it does have a lot of aspects of the 4-3. So, at the inside linebackers, I have Alec Ogletree and B.J. Goodson. Now, this would seem to be an ideal combo. Their skill sets, in my opinion, complement each other's. With Ogletree again, as I always, as I just mentioned, he's speedy sideline to sideline linebacker, and Goodson is the big hitting run stuffer. So my thing is the Giants don't have any depth because when you look at their reserves, I just want to throw these names out to you, Mad Mike, and it's making me cringe. Calvin Munson, Ray Ray Armstrong, Mark Herzik, Derek Matthews, and Thurston Armbrister. Those are the Giants reserve linebackers. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there, man. Um Thurston Arm Blister? I, I might have mispronounced his name. No, I'm I'm asking. I'm I'm just wondering no, if Arm the guy Brister. got blisters on. Oh Brister. Yeah, okay. Arm Brister. Like Bobby Brister. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> so Unbelievable. I, and and they cut Dwayne Harris. Now, you know, so the Giants cut ties with Dwayne Harris, which we saw coming. Um, they signed Latimer, the receiver, a big receiver from Denver. And the question is, because they signed him, does that mean that Brandon Marshall's time in New York is limited? But it does, say, you know, for some reason they haven't released him yet. I don't know if because they haven't released him, that means he's going to be around or what. So it's going to be interesting to see Latimer is known as more of a special team guy than he is, you know, someone that's a threat as a receiver. So maybe that's the reason why the Giants are holding on to Brandon Marshall, Mad Mike. Yeah, I just think um, I think Brandon is either going to be forced to take a pay cut or I think Brandon is going to get cut. I just think that right now um, you don't cut a, 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 a mistake that a lot of teams make. You don't just cut guys for the simple fact of, of cutting them and, and making other people around you happy. Um, no reason to, to start that and force yourself to look around for, for guys. Um, you cut Brandon Marshall when other things open up, when other guys get cut around the league, uh, better options open up. Um, so, I mean, I like the, the Lattimore signing. Um, you know, Lattimore's a guy that uh, he's a 
like you said, he's a big receiver. He's more of a special teams guy, but he's a guy that maybe you can finally develop. Um, you know, one of he's going to be uh, he's like Cordero Patterson, right? Um, a guy who actually the the Patriots stole him, so now he's going to become a superstar. But he's a guy that you you know was raw, and you always hope would turn into something you know special at the receiver. But if not, you could always fall back on his uh, special teams abilities. It's a good move. So you know. He, he, I'm glad you like the move. I actually like the move as well. He's a big body. He's a good special teamer. And he has tons of potential. Um, I like Brandon Marshall. Unfortunately, he had a rough go his first year. And, and we're in a Giants uniform. That game was so weird because not only did he get injured, I think the Giants lost another receiver or two that game as well. To season it was the Odell Beckham game. That was the same right, game. Yeah, so, you know, they lost two of their, their top two receivers last year. To season-ended injuries, folks. They were over five. They were they were over four going into that game. Don't don't believe Lloyd. They suck going into the game. <laughs> so we'll see, man. It's going to be interesting to see um, with Odell Beckham Jr. As you know, if you don't know, there was reports of him in a hotel room with a French model, uh, would look to appear to be cocaine on the board, and him smoking a blunt uh, with some pizza. And my thing is, you know, we've always said. Or always question his maturity, Mad Mike. But how stupid can you be? And I hate to call another human being stupid. But how stupid can you be? You're in the midst of a contract year. You're requesting to be paid as not only the highest paid receiver, but the highest, highest paid player in the NFL, Mad Mike. And you're letting things like this happen. And you're putting yourself in situations like this. Now, Mara said Beckham knows what's expected of him. He also said... That he's open to listening to any trade offers for Odell Beckham Jr. And he's also said that this could have hurt his chances of getting that contract that he wants and that he expects. So we both agreed that we thought it was going to be an ugly situation without this happening. And now the Giants organization has some ammunition that they can spit at him and that they can put up a shield and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. How can we pay you this kind of money when you're doing things like this? We're not going to make an investment in you if you're not being smart about what you do and your personal time. And then there was also video of him getting knocked out in the club, which obviously, I don't know if that was him. Um, but, you know, they're saying it's him. He said it wasn't him. But at this point, with all the things that he's done, Mad Mike, how can you not believe any report that's put out about this young man at this point? Because he's not keeping himself clean and out of trouble, man. And this, this is the time when you need to do it. Be smart. He ha it seems to me he has the wrong people in his corner because if he had the right people in his corner, they wouldn't be allowing him to put himself in these types of situations. So let's see what happens. I think he's well, a world well, talent. Let's, let's, and I want man. him to remain a giant. We, we, we have, we, first of all, folks, this is one of the, well, Odell Beckham is one of the, 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 the ways this show started. Me and Lloyd get into an argument over Odell Beckham, um, working out one day. And, uh, I've always said that, uh, one, I, I don't like the new age player to begin with, but this guy especially because he always just seemed like, like a me first guy. Now these videos, they worry me. Um, I, I uh, the, the one in the hotel, he said that it was a very old video. He said you can tell because uh, uh, just look at the tattoos he has now compared to the tattoos he had um, 
you know, not for nothing. That's a stupid ass. Uh, I'm sorry. That's a stupid, um, uh, you know, defense. Well, look at my tattoos. Fact of the matter is it happened, dude. And you're not saying it didn't happen. You're just disputing the timeline of when it happened. And the end of the day, what the Giants are saying is, if you did it, it, it to me, the fact that the timeline, he's saying this is an old video, um, to me, makes him look even worse. Because it means that all these things we see now, he was, he was, he was, he was doing back then. So he hasn't shown me, or, or he shouldn't have shown most, that he, he doesn't, he, he's not even putting forth the effort to change his ways, to clean up his act. It, it, to me, if you give this man all that money, it's just going to get worse. He's going to be intolerable. He's going to be uncontrollable. And, and you know, we'll, we'll see about the, the, the um, incident in the club. He said it's not him. His legal team said it's not him. They threatened to sue the club. I believe it was a club and a gentleman's club in Atlanta. Um, but let me tell you something. The folks in Atlanta at the club, the workers and, 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 and manager, they insist he was at the club. They insist it was him and VIP. And let's, 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 I think me and you can agree. Odell Beckham walks in, in, in a club you're at. Everybody knows it's Odell Beckham. Yeah, not only that, and again, you know, like I said, how can you not believe that it's him, man, with all the stuff that he's doing? So, you know, if you... Oh, and he's getting sued, by the way. I think there's like a $15 million yeah. lawsuit out there against him, yeah, too. Like, yeah, there's a lot going on, it man. There's a his, lot. I think with his security guys beating a guy up or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and, and, and the guy's suing him, and, and they're saying, well, Odell Beckham didn't take part in it. But in the end of the day, we both know... Your team, you're responsible for them. Your security guards beat the hell out of somebody to the point of, you know, almost death. You're responsible. You're paying the checks. They do what you say. Yeah, absolutely right. We've seen we've seen Floyd Mayweather get stuck in the same predicaments after pay pay out money. Um, once again, like you just said, how can how can we question? Um, you, you know, even if the, these things are not true, the fact that, you know, he's finding himself in frivolous lawsuits and situations is, you know, is that somebody you want to lock up? I, I mean, I, honestly, 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 start looking to trade right now, draft time. Yeah, while, while he has some value, but we'll see again. I think he's a world talent and push comes to shove. I'd rather have him than not have him, but you also don't want distractions. And he seemed to be nothing but a distraction over the last two or three years with the with the Giants. So let's move on to the Jets, man, Mike. And this is something that I wanted to get your opinion on as far as if the Jets made the right move of pulling the Indomitian Sioux contract offer. Now, I thought it would have been a great look for you for Indomitian Sioux in a Jets uniform. But the Jets, the Jets acting owner, Christopher Johnson, you know, he made some big, mo some big news yesterday during his media powwow you know, at the NFL annual meeting when he announced that the organization rescinded the contract offer to Indomitian Sioux. Uh, the whole situation turned out rather clumsy, but make no mistake, backing away from Sioux uh, was it the right move for the Jets at this point in time. Um, Sioux has publicly came out and said that the Jets offer was the best offer he's received so far as he was recently cut by the Dolphins. Um, and Johnson stated that he made the decision to yank the offer, you know, um, in concert with general manager Mike McCannigan. And he was quoted as on reflection and in concert with Mike, we rescinded the offer to Sue. Johnson said that it just didn't seem to be in keeping up with our long-term plans uh, for the decision. So he also emphasized that he made the call in conjunction with McCannigan after discussions. 
So Johnson said he wasn't part of the process of making an initial offer, but you know he's you know he's not stepped in with free agency decisions this offseason, leaving those plans to Mechanican. So why step in now? So I just want to get your opinion on if you felt that that was the right move. Now let me just add, man, Mike, that Sue he's thirty one, he's a talented player. But, you know, for the money he's likely to command in free agency, he probably wasn't going to be worth it for the Jets, who are rebuilding with younger players and aren't yet close to being a serious winner. You know, and by the time they're ready to become a serious winner, Sue will probably be even further into the twilight of his career. So, plus the Jets are looking for some positive influence in their locker room, and I feel that Sue is a history as being a disruptive and disgruntled presence. So... From the get-go, the offers of Sue didn't make a whole lot of sense, in my opinion. So it seemed that Johnson and the Jets have made the right decision with sending the offer. So I just want to get your take on that. Um, first of all, um, I, I want to make sure that my stance is clear to everybody. Um, I was not for this. I, I, I wanted nothing to do with Sue. But I am, I'm going to try to argue... Um, the merits of signing him and then give you the real reason why I think that they backed out of it. One, um, the Jets have not been able to find, get consistent play out of their nose tackle since Damon Harrison left. Since Snacks Harrison left, they haven't been able to, to stuff the middle um, and demand double teams. And they've never found someone to play on the other side of Leo. We, we detailed uh, Mo Wilkerson struggles, his laziness, his disappearing act. Um, so this move would have killed two birds, one stone. It would have gave you that Snacks Harrison type back in the middle, and it would have forced uh, defenses, uh, offensive lines, at, at rather, to to direct coverage towards Sue. You're not going to let a man that size and that strength get free reign one-on-one at a quarterback. So you're going to obviously double-team him, freeing up Leo, you know, to finally live up to the sixth-round pick, you know, the, the first-round billing, you know, being a six-overall pick. It's a shame. And, and, and that's why I think Mac um, targeted, you know, Sue. Now let's look at why they possibly pulled it. For starters, the Jets didn't announce they were chasing him. The Jets haven't announced one player they've been chasing outside of meeting with Terrell Pryor. And um, even then, you didn't hear anything. All of the Jets' maneuvers this offseason have kind of been stealth, right? You didn't expect a Tremaine Johnson signing. It just it just broke. You didn't know about Avery Williamson. It just broke. Every time something has come up, Kirk Cousins, everybody, you know, there was no news about the Jets. The Jets didn't release their offer. They didn't put that out in the media. That was speculation. And as a matter of fact, that was Kirk Cousins' camp coming out and saying, well, we turned out more money, $30 million a year, because they were trying to make themselves look good. Sue went public with this offer. And I think once he went public with this offer, the Jets said, wait a minute, this is not how we've done business under you know McCagnan. We There's no leaks in our front office. You put this out on social media. You caused this uproar. Now we've got people looking at what we're doing, disagreeing. That's not the kind of uh, movements they're trying to make. And I think that's more why they rescinded the offer than anything else. But I will say this. Chris Johnson um, is making it a lot harder for Woody to come back. Everything he says and does has been on the money, man. It really has. 
you know, he he's we're not looking for Backpage anymore. You know what I'm saying? He didn't he didn't come out and say Backpage, but we're, these are not the moves we're looking for. 31 year old guys, um, you know, looking to to promote themselves, possibly shop shop their you know shop our offer to try to get more money for themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we're moving with a guy that's that you know wants to play within our long term uh, vision. And I applaud them. I applaud him. And not for nothing, you know what else I applaud him for? For saying that he's not going to take uh, take away his players. You know, he's not going to force his players to stand. He hopes they all stand for the anthem, but he's not taking away any player's voice, whether it's for the anthem or anything else. That's not how, how they run their business. Um, you know, I, I thought it was fresh, uh, fresh breath to hear, uh, breath of fresh air, rather. Um, something great to hear from them because, you know, you're looking at a guy like Bob McNair in Houston, um, all, all things created equal. He's going to start having a lot harder time getting guys to come there um, with the way he's starting to single out and, and, you know, be that voice. Well, we always say that things start from the top. And when an organization is ran well from the top, it trickles down. And, you know, we always see how the Giants have been, you know, one of the culprits of doing things right from the top. And, you know, you brought up some great points. And the Jets seem to be moving in that direction as well, Matt Mike. So, you know, you're absolutely right. And when you do things the right way, that actually attracts players. And when you don't do things the right way as a player, you know, then this is the end result. So I didn't even think about it along those lines that, you know, that might have been something that the Jets wasn't with with him putting that information out there to make himself look better or to try to, you know, bring up the market value for himself. And, you know, obviously this could have hurt him more than helped him, Mad Mike. So, you know, we'll see what happens. As of now, I, I mean, he's too good of a player not to be signed by somebody. So somebody's going to throw the money at him at some point. But, you know, the whole process is going to take a little bit longer. Not only that, you know, I kind of thought along the lines that maybe this isn't a place that he wanted to be. Um, you know, as far as him doing what he did. But if he doesn't want to be in a Jets uniform, why would you want him? So along those lines as well, too, you know, if you're under the impression, which I kind of was under the impression, you know, that he didn't want to be with the Jets. Or if he did, why would he do all that? And if you don't want to be here, then fine. Don't be here. Go someplace else. So along those lines, kudos to the Jets, you know, for handling the situation the way that they did. Agreed. Agreed. Um, 100%. And, uh, you know, I'll tell you one other thing, and I'm not saying it because they're my team. I'm saying it because you actually just kind of touched on it, too. Um, just because a team has historically done things the wrong way or, or they've had an owner who's, you know, let's say James Jim Dolan, right, historically can't get a, out of his own way where the, the, you know, it rots from the top. Don't ignore the fact that Woody Johnson is now working for our cartoon president. And, um... Chris Johnson is not, not, he just doesn't appear to come off as Woody. McCagnan doesn't appear to come off as John Idzik and, 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 um, you know, Mike Tannenbaum and, you know, the Rex Ryan show, all of that stuff that, that it's all been cleaned out. Everything seems to be working well. Maybe, you know, the media wants to, you know, and I'm not going to say me and you are, are, you know, included in, in that, but, you know, maybe, so that's exactly what he's doing. Well, if the Jets can offer me this money and they're a joke of a franchise, then, you know, some of these other teams I really want to go to pony up the money. Um, 
the biggest mistake a player can make in the, in the media and other people can make is ignoring the changes that they see happening before their eyes. And you see the change. You just said it yourself. You see the change happening with the Jets from the front office down. Um, don't make the mistake of ignoring it because they can get good fast and then all these other players can be stuck on bad teams. You know, just saying. Great point. Great point. But before we close the show out, man, Mike, I just want to bring up a point that you got your wish. The Knicks started a game yesterday in Washington with Trey Burke and Frank Nittalikina starting off in the backcourt, and it resulted in a victory. Now, the Washington Wizards is a team that I wouldn't have gave the Knicks a shot in hell to beat. And at this point, it's weird for me to be a Knicks fan and hope that they lose games. But, you know what I'm saying, the Knicks actually got a victory with that backcourt. Trey Burke played well. Um, Frank Nittalikina played well. Um, you know, so it took, I don't know how many games. I think they got like 10 games left. So it took, what, 60 damn games or 50 damn games? How many other games they play for Jeff Hornacek to do something the right way? I still hey, thought he didn't play Burke as much as he should have played him in that game. And he almost let the game get away before he put Burke back in. But. At least for the first time, I can say that he did. And it's a small doing something right. Don't get me wrong. Don't jump on me, Matt Mike. Don't jump on me, fans. But he did the right thing and finally starting Frank Nidalekina, Trey Burke, and it resulted in a win, Matt Mike. Hey, I was just going to say, you tell your buddies over at the Knicks that, that your co-host, Matt Mike, said in the preseason, let Trey Burke go to the G League, learn the offense, and within a month, call him up and you start him because he's going to be the he's going to be the best option they have. And all I'm going to say on the matter is, wouldn't you have loved to see Trey Burke break down the defense and open up the floor for KP when he was healthy early in the year? All those blown. 20-point leads and all those things that took place that essentially, you know, those, you know what I'm talking about, the Cleveland game, the, the Detroit game, all those games that they blew big leads in and took that, how different things possibly, you know, could have been for, for this franchise. Yeah, so we'll see. So it looks like the Knicks are married to the ninth pick in the, in the NBA draft this year. And uh, I've been watching quite a bit of the NCAA tournament once it got down to around the Sweet 16, man, Mike. So, you know, I know you continue to bring up the Bridges. Um, you know, so I got a chance to see them play. Uh, there's some other guys that opened up my eyes while watching the NCAA tournament. So I think it's fair to say that if, you know, when the Knicks pick ninth, because um, it looks like that's where they'll be picking, that there'll be a good play available for them to pick. Uh, that can contribute and help them out next season, man, Mike. Um, I, you, you, you know, it's funny because all the people like they got to go point guard, they got to go point guard. It's been that way in the media for the last what two, three months. And um, Stephen A. was just talking about Trey Young and blah, 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 blah. Stop with all the propaganda. You finally heard the Knicks. Uh, you heard the coaches. You, you heard them say that they think small forward is, is what they need most on this team. And I've been stumping for it. Uh, you agreed with me when I first rolled it out. Let's stop BSing with the, the power forward, center, point guard. Shoot. We need a, a, a 
We need a difference maker, a cha- a game changing small forward on this roster, and we have three really good ones in that top ten. And I'm telling you, one of them is going to be there. The question is, who you who do you like, Kevin Knox? You, you know, Kevin Knox, um, Macau Bridges, and Miles Bridges. Which one do you like more? And who's there? And do we get it right? And and do me another favor. All these people that are touting Donovan Mitchell, the Knicks passed up Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell wasn't on anybody's radar. Remember that. Donovan Mitchell wasn't on anybody's radar. When this draft got concluded, everyone was talking about Dennis Smith Jr. And everybody was talking about the young man from, from Malik Monk from Charlotte who can't even get off the bench anymore. So... Let's get off the Donovan Mitchell. Nobody knew that this guy was going to be that off the bat. Otherwise, he wouldn't have fallen out of the top ten. So let's let's get off the Knicks case for that. And there you have it, folks. So that's going to bring us to the conclusion of this week's show. Me and the Mad Mike promise you guys that we're going to field your questions, air your questions, and answer your questions in next week's show. So keep those questions coming. We would like to thank you, as always, you know, for sticking with us because without you guys... There's no us, and we want to thank our producer, A.O. Omar Baker, for rolling with us, keeping this thing going, and we can only try to get better, and we're going to get better, folks. So we have some special things and some exciting things coming up in future shows. So stay tuned. As always, guys, please have a safe and blessed week, and me and the Mad Mike will see you in seven days. A.O. Let's roll, baby! And that's a wrap for today's show. Shouts to everybody for checking it out. Make sure you subscribe. Brand new episodes drop every Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. And as always, check out LloydAThompson.com. Peace.